0: Buck is dropped and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Score! Trickley scores! What a stop by Hellebuck. Nikolai Ehlers up the faceoff. Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV.
1: Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined this week by Mitchell Clinton of Jets TV and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. We are coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina, the final stop on this four-game road trip that has just kept going. Yes. And nobody feels bad for us because... and i don't expect them to but we were part of the crew that escaped the snowstorm that was a snowstorm but i think was a little underwhelming to some folks and that just speaks to how tough the people of manitoba are and people listening so uh our tans look great but anyway that's uh, that's neither here nor there uh lots of great content coming to you in this episode Mitchell Clinton, we'll talk about the week that was obviously a bit of a tough road stretch for the Winnipeg Jets, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Kyle Connor, there's some buzz going on about KC and the Lady Bing Trophy. We'll talk about that. Morgan Barron, our guest on last week. We'll talk about him and his place since joining the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the remaining games, how do the Jets approach that with things looking very daunting in the standings at the moment? Our guest this week is team services manager Chris Krevyazic. Uh Lots to talk about with him as there was a huge travel coordinating uh, effort on his part to get the team down to Florida early to beat that snowstorm that we mentioned. And then we'll talk about the week ahead and an unsung hero. Paul Edmonds will tell you his unsung hero for the Jets season this year. That was a pretty good intro. Yeah, not bad. And that's the ground control podcast. It. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, all right. Mitch, week in review. Um, the Winnipeg Jets dropped the first three games on this road trip to the Florida Panthers, then the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then on mm, Tuesday. I'm losing track of the days in New York against Andrew Copp and the Rangers. Uh, just, we don't have to get too deep into this and really peel back all the layers, but just what have you seen from this group uh, as this road trip continues and and let's not take anything away from the fact that these are three and then a fourth very good opponent uh, the Winnipeg Jets are going up against?
2: Yeah, I think going into this road trip, it was always like no matter what part of the season when you were kind of looking ahead at the schedule, this was always going to be probably the toughest road trip that you were going to face originally, of course, because you know, when you still had the Seattle Kraken game on the Wednesday, this was going to be a week where you played five and seven and your games four and five of that stretch were going to be against two of the best teams in the Atlantic division in Florida and Tampa Bay. So it was going to be difficult. Now, even though you don't have the game against the Kraken in there, it's still two really good teams. And I mean, over the course of this road trip, I mean, when it started, three of the four teams already had a hundred points. The only one that didn't was the Tampa Bay Lightning. And while well, they got points 99 and 100 against the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. So, I mean, it was always going to be difficult and Florida is just a team that, I mean, they're you, good. there's so, there's so many guys on that team that are having uh career years or matching career highs or whatever it may be offensively. Um, so they're, they're, they're just an incredibly deep team that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, were beat by them. I would say like, you know, Florida got off to a such, a, such a good start in that one. And then Winnipeg was just kind of trying to catch up throughout that contest. They got up to a, a better start, I thought, against Tampa Bay on Saturday. And that game was kind of similar to the one that the two teams played back in March, where it was just back and forth, back and forth um, throughout most of the contest. And then just like the Winnipeg Jets in March pulled away from Tampa Bay, it was the opposite uh, in Tampa Bay against the lightning where they just, they scored five unanswered goals, turn a four 2 Winnipeg jets lead into a seven, four win for the Tampa Bay lightning. So that one was a tough one. I think there was some frustration after the game. You could see kind of in, in Paul Stastny, a guy that likes to keep it pretty even keel. Um, he just kind of talked a little bit about how the, the room was feeling after that one. And Kyle Connor also mentioned it a little bit. And then you have a couple of days before you play the New York Rangers. And obviously, you know, you're going into that one. Uh, Morgan Barron's going up against his old team, Neil Pionk, which oddly enough, the whole like Neil Pionk, Jacob Truba thing was kind of really on the back burner. Uh, I guess, cause the trade was a couple of years ago now, but still I, I would imagine for both of those guys, it's a pretty big deal. And then obviously you're going up against Andrew Kopp, who is uh, just traded to the Rangers, uh, the other half, of the- that Morgan Barron trade. So I five seconds in to see Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp uh, in the faceoff dot at the neutral zone. Neither of those guys were giving an inch. I thought that was one of the, the funnier parts of the game because Adam Lowry, I think it was the day before or two days before, said something along the lines of, I'm really looking forward to going up against him in the circle, and they were both in the starting lineup for both teams, and uh, I can't recall who the center was on that line that got kicked out of the draw five seconds into the game, and Andrew Kopp comes into the dot against Adam Lowry, and Yeah, neither one of them gave an inch on that one. But I thought the Jets, probably of the three games that they've played so far on this road trip, that was their best one, was against the Rangers. Um, Yes, there were chances on both sides, but shot attempt wise, over the last forty minutes, the Jets held the edge in that regard. Uh, The high danger chances slightly um, on the side of the New York Rangers, but it was pretty evenly played game throughout the course of that one. And the Rangers are a team that's. Battling with Carolina, Winnipeg's next opponent uh, for top spot in the Metro division. So, not an easy opponent on that night either, especially on home ice where the Rangers have been really good. The Jets played quite well. Eric Comrie was sensational, but uh, just once again, they come up on the wrong side of it. So, yes, tough start to the road trip, a tough week for sure. Um, but all you can do is look forward at this point.
1: And, uh, you know, credit to the Jets for putting together a pretty good game aside from not scoring any goals. I mean, that was the third shutout the Rangers had pitched in a row. So, that's, that's, That's bordering on pretty ridiculous hockey right now. Um, Kyle Connor and the Lady Bing trophy. Paul, this is something that's starting to be talked about. And I mean, it should be. He should be the front runner as far as I'm concerned right now. Uh, Lady Bing, for those that don't know, is, is the most gentlemanly player. Typically goes to the player who has a, a fantastic impact on their team and then also doesn't put their team down into uh, shorthanded situations. Kyle Connor only has four penalty minutes at the current point in time right now. One of, one of those minor penalties essentially stopped a goal from going in uh, a slash on Matthew Barzell. And before we get you to talk about this, uh, I got to credit Gregor Buer from our hockey operations department. Uh, he threw this stat at me. He's one of only four players who have played 50 plus games this season and 19 plus minutes per game that have less than 10 penalty minutes. And he has played almost a minute more per game and has 70 more points than any of these three guys. And those three guys are Anton Strowman, Ryan Pulak, and Mikey Anderson. So if that doesn't
0: put things into perspective, I don't know what does. Okay. You want me to take it from there? Take it from there. (laughs) Well, he's played almost 22 minutes per game. I do believe that some of the chatter that's resonating out of of Southern Manitoba is warranted. I mean, this is a guy that has played hard. Sometimes I think the connotation of the Lady Bing trophy is someone that doesn't really get involved, puts up some points, doesn't take any penalty minutes. That's usually the two sort of measuring sticks, right? But nothing could be further from the truth in the way that Kyle Connor pursues and plays the game. The quote for the Lady Bing is the player adjudged to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. So keep both of those in mind. And I think when you're looking at both of those or some of the other parameters around that award that kyle connor ticks all the boxes i don't know that he's going to win but i think that he needs to be in the conversation and should be one of the three candidates this is voted on by the writers association in the national hockey league and those guys usually have a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on with these players and and these types of awards so you mentioned tyler the four penalty minutes If there's other players in and around, Kyle, that you're making the comparable to, well, Alexander Barkov would be one of them from Florida. He has 14 minutes in penalties. So he has 10 more minutes in penalties, same amount of time played. He has a few more points, but as you guys have established, the juggernaut team that he's on this year. The Toronto Maple Leafs, another one, Austin Matthews, 16 minutes in penalties. He's on a really good team with some great players around him. This is an award that I think that should be deserved of going to Kyle Connor, or at least him being at the awards banquet, wherever it might be this year. And, and certainly being in the conversation as a candidate, he has not only, I think improved his 200 foot game, but Kyle Connor is a very competitive person. He'll go into the corner and he'll win battles. And what the key part of that is, is not only the offensive, plays that he's making after he wins those battles but he stays within the rules to get puck possession off of somebody in a one-on-one battle you know it's the old play hard and be hard to play against he has certainly defined that for me and i think that this is an award that nobody really thought about at the start of the year in conjunction with kyle connor's name but as we get now to to five games remaining and, and down to the, the final week or week and a half of the regular season coming to a conclusion for the Jets that this is an award that I think he is more than deserving of winning just based on the year that he's had with the offensive production. He's projected to get into the 90 point range, perhaps surpassing Blake Wheeler's 91 points from a couple of years ago that he had it in successive seasons. And getting to the mid-90s, maybe, who knows, with a couple of big games, he might even touch 100 points where Marion Hossa, the franchise record, has 100 points. He could set, could smash and shatter that. We'll see what happens. There's still a lot of hockey to play for him. But I think that this is an award that uh, he would be, I think, very happy to accept if it was bestowed on him. And I do believe it's deserved on Kyle Connor of at least being in the conversation across the National Hockey League and being one of the three candidates to uh, to be nominated for the award. The funny part
1: of all this is in his media uh, availability yesterday before the, the game against the Rangers, he made the comment that he didn't really even know what the award was at first, which I feel is very on brand for Kyle, um, just given the fact that he, he's just a man that goes about his business and clearly he's done his business well this year. Morgan Barron, uh, he's the player that came over in the Andrew Kopp trade, one of them, at least for now. Uh, Mitch, what have you seen from that young forward? He scored a really fantastic goal, had a great game in Montreal last week and just looked awesome playing alongside Paul Stasny and Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, When he first came into the fold, he was down with the moose, but then called up and has sort of played up and down the lineup. And he talked a little bit about that yesterday as well and just not trying to really change his game uh based on where he is slotted in that lineup. Just what have you seen from the young Ford as he sort of makes his way with the Winnipeg Jets?
2: Yeah, just kind of, you know, the fact that he hasn't changed his game to to play on different lines and that's a really big and important part of it because you know, anytime you you get an opportunity, you either try to do more or try to, you know, be maybe be something that you're not. It's like if you go up to the the top 6 especially all of a sudden you want to try to be a little bit more of a playmaker or a little or try to score the real nice goals or anything like that. You don't have to do that. Just there's a reason that you are the person getting the opportunity. And it's because your game as you play it would fit well or complement the pieces that you're going to be playing with. And like a big shout out to him for, for being able to have like the game that he did in Montreal, especially because you know his brother was there he was obviously traded from Colorado to Montreal didn't end up playing and then the next day you find out that you know Justin's going to miss the rest of the season with an ankle injury so that was unfortunate that's the second time this year that they've kind of just missed playing against each other um so of course that'll you know if Everything transpires the way we all think it will. It it will eventually end up happening for them. So that's gonna be a big night for them. But I mean, for for Morgan to go out and perform the way that he did with his his brother in attendance, obviously, his mom, his dad, his aunt, his uncle, man, that that had to have felt good, especially coming out after the game to to talk to his family after having a night like that. So um, that was really cool to see. But, you know, even looking back at the Ranger game that just happened, you know, playing with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry, I thought that was that was a really good line for the Winnipeg Jets that night. Um, you know, yeah, they don't get on the scoreboard. Nobody really did for the Winnipeg Jets, unfortunately, despite the chances that they had. But, I mean, Morgan Barron had a real good look. Um, I believe it was in the first or second period. He had a two-on-one with Mason Appleton. Then he got the pass over to Appleton, and Chesterkin made the stop as he as he did that night. But I just think there's... A lot of good in uh, in Morgan Barron's game. He seems to really know how to use his size to create some separation, to create some time for him. But he also skates well enough that it's not like he's just this, this guy that's you know wandering around the ice throwing body checks everywhere. He's making plays. Like you look at the assist that he had against the Montreal Canadiens, makes a real nice move to just shake a check from from Rem Pitlick and then finds Paul Stastny in space, and it's just a perfect pass. It Was a sensational play. So he's got that in his game as well. And he doesn't have to force either way. He doesn't have to force things to be physical. He doesn't have to force things to be, you know, to make a skill play or anything. He's got all of that in his game. And, you know, as we heard last week on, on this podcast, it's not like he's a guy that, you know, was drafted into the QMJHL and then, you know, immediately drafted into the, in the first, second round of the, the National Hockey League draft and then immediately gets into the National Hockey League. This is a guy that, you know, he called himself a bit of a late bloomer. He's a guy that had to work his way up, was a real good player at Cornell, especially in his third season. And then all of a sudden, you know, here he is, you know, really getting that opportunity, the most, the most consistent opportunity, I would say that he's had uh, in the National Hockey League. And I just think he's, he's doing a lot of great things with it. Looking forward to see how he continues on throughout the rest of the season and into the next season.
1: Yeah, on that episode or on that interview last week, he mentioned that you sort of was a had a late growth spurt. Well, good lord, the man is huge. So I can't imagine how little he was at the time. So, and that must have been painful for the kid. Uh, Paul, the Winnipeg Jets' playoff outlook is it's it's daunting. It's slim. However, you want to shape it right now. They obviously need to, to win out pretty much and get some help as well. Um, just how do How does a team that's in a scenario like this approach these next few games? And it's been talked about at a lot over the last couple of weeks, um, just the approach to everything. Kyle Connor had some great comments about it's never too, you know, early to start establishing a culture. I thought that was a really good comment from, from him. Just how do you look at the way the Jets can approach these next few games to, to close out the regular season?
0: Well, I think as a professional, you always want to go out and win, and there's five games remaining, and as you mentioned, it doesn't look like it's going to be a plausible chance for them to get into the postseason, so let's be real and realistic and understand that it's next year country for this team and for this organization, but there's still a lot at stake for a lot of individuals and certainly for the team. From the individual standpoint, you want to finish up strong. You don't want to go into a lengthy offseason, as this season will be, and say, boy, I wish I would have just kind of laid laid it out on the line a few more minutes, or I would have back checked a little bit better. You want to go into the offseason this summer and say, you know, I finished up strong. I'm proud of myself and the way that I concluded the year, even though there wasn't much to play for. Individually, when it comes to players like Zach Sanford and Paul Stastny, you know, you're looking to play for contracts for next year if you have an idea that you still want to be a National Hockey League player. We presume that Zach Sanford does because of his age. And at 36 years old, I think the way that Paul Stastny's played, he still has another year or two good ones in him. So that would be a yes from both those perspectives. So those types of players, those unrestricted free agents, are the type of players that are looking toward next year and using this time as an audition, whether it's still with the organization that they're with or with somebody else that might come suiting for them. So there's that. There's also the restricted free agent. And you look at a Mason Appleton, for instance, on the Winnipeg Jets. You're playing for next year's contract. You're also playing for how long it's going to be and how much it's going to be worth. So there's that, the individual standpoint, plus the pride, Certainly the professionalism that goes into it. I think you also, as an organization, you know, you never want to kind of look and go, oh, well, we're a lottery team. Maybe, you know, we could get a better pick. You're going to be one of the 16 anyway. It doesn't really matter where you finish. You're going to go in, you know, into that Farnsby and kind of get kind of rolled around and the balls or the cards are going to come up. So You know, I think that you owe it to the fans. You owe it to um, all of the corporate sponsors, whether the players understand that. But the organization does. So they're going to kind of put everything that they have to winning these games to to make an impression. And especially with four games coming up at home, there's people that are excited still to see some NHL hockey before the season does conclude. And you want to put on a good show. You want to have everybody feel pretty good about where maybe the team is at going into the off season with some changes coming. And we do know that there are changes coming in a lot of different areas. So there's a lot to play for still here. I think the other part of this is too, and you hear this, but the role of spoiler, I always think is something that motivates players and motivates coaches So you're going into a game, for instance, against the New York Rangers, and they're battling with the Carolina Hurricanes for first place. You want to beat the Rangers. Maybe exact some change on how that Metro division is going to unfold. Same thing is applicable when you get into Raleigh to play against the Carolina Hurricanes. You can have a say, really, on what might happen over the course of the last week and a half in the National Hockey League and who wins that division. So there's always something about that as well. But I think that when you have all of these things orbiting, what it does is when you – boil. It all out, it means that you have to finish up strong, you have to still be within the realm of a professional to play as hard as you possibly can. There's still two points in the line, but there's so many other things outside of that that really affect you personally or from the organizational standpoint. So while there's not much to play for in terms, Tyler, to wrap this sort of long answer up in playing for something in May, because you're probably not going to get there beyond that game against Seattle, which was rescheduled into May. You do have a lot to play for leading up to that final game on May the 1st, whether people think so or not.
1: I would agree with you there. And I I love that you mentioned the home games. I think, you know what, if you can get a couple of great wins on home ice and get the crowd into it and and just enjoy the moment, don't necessarily think about, you know, the long-term future, just enjoy the game. So um, a great answer from you there, Paul. Speaking of great answers, Chris Krebbyazek, team services manager for the Winnipeg Jets, joins us. He a fantastic fifteen minute conversation with uh, with the best dressed fella on the Jets staff. I would, uh, I mean, I'm going to have to concede that. I mean, he's
2: fantastically dressed. I was going to say always. it's not. I don't even think it's close, to be honest with no, you. No, it's
1: not. It, <laughs> it, it, nobody's near him at all. So anyway, enjoy this interview with the Kreb dog.
0: Shop where the players shop. Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com.
1: Hi, this is Mark Shifley, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here on the Ground Control podcast by Chris Kreviazak, the team services manager for the Winnipeg Jets. Chris, first of all, is this uh, your first podcast uh, appearance?
3: This is my first podcast. This is Thirty Two Thoughts, right? Yes, that the one that's, I'm on? that's yeah I think
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> Same level. This will be the first one, yeah. Well, uh, our first start at ever- the top. Our first, so thank you for chirping me. Um, The first ever guest on the Ground Control Podcast was Paul Bissonnette, and he called us the ECHL of podcasts. It was a a great way to start. Uh, All right. So tell me a little bit about your role before we get into this. What all comes under your umbrella? What all do you have to look after as the manager of team services? Oh, there's,
3: I guess there's a lot of little, little, little things, but I think the main ones um, worth talking about would be uh, the coordinating of flights, hotels, uh, team meals, buses, practice, ice, controlling the master calendar, things like that. Like all the travel logistics behind the scenes. I think that'd be the easiest way of describing it. Then kind of whatever the players need on the side, whatever the coaches need, things like that as well. Just right. miscellaneous things like that. Um, ticketing is another big one those are kind of the main points i think
1: yeah so i guess the reason this is relevant right now um obviously the snowstorm uh in winnipeg last week that sort of derailed the original plan uh obviously and then the winnipeg jets flying down to florida on tuesday of that week um just what was that turnaround like and and what's the process for getting those flights changed? And heck, there was even a game changed in there as well.
3: Yeah. I think it was just really, we kind of found out during the Montreal game, which was, that was a Monday, I think. Yep. And we were finding out sort of during, during that game that the storm was going to be bad enough uh, that we would have to leave most likely Tuesday because the weather was going to get really bad by, by Wednesday. And we were originally leaving on Thursday. So the process there really was just reaching out to all the different parties involved and seeing if they could accommodate. So the airline got back to us right away, Air Canada, and they said they they had no problem with it. And then, of course, next is the hotel. Now, we were staying originally. We were going to be getting in just the night before the, the game uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, so I had us down by the rink in sunrise. So I felt if I if we flew over on Tuesday and I put us – in In the middle of uh, sunrise for three days, the players would punch me in the face. So I, uh, <laughs> so so we we quickly scrambled and 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 called a VP with Marriott and just said, "Look, what hotels do you have out by the water? Because we're going to be there for a couple of days. One of them is going to be an off day, most likely, given the circumstances." And so she came through right away. So it actually became very easy at that point. With when you have a you have a plane and you have hotel set up right away. Right. You're pretty well set. Then you just have little minor details like, will the FBO, like the airport be ready for us. They, they will, they always will be and, and buses. We can, we can scrounge up buses, even if it's not the regular company that we use, but we, we found buses through our regular com- company in Florida as well. So it all fell into place. So everyone was kind of coming up to me at the rink and saying like, geez, you must be, you must be sweating right now. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like everything, uh, <laughs> everything kind of fell into place within about, I'd say two hours, a lot quicker than, than, than normally. I've had some, some worse ones than that. So, yeah. So, and and then I got, and then I got a lot of slaps on the back uh, because we're going to Florida earlier and people think that it's my doing somehow. Like I canceled the game, like, (laughs) "Ah, let's go. We're going to beat the blizzard boys. This is all me. Um, You're welcome.
1: So (laughs) I guess for those that don't know, sunrise, Florida is, it's just kind of in a business area. There's a mall around. It's not really, you know, if you're going to spend three days in Florida, we, you should do it the way we ended up doing it. So kudos to you. There was a yes. nice speech. Yes. Thanks for clarifying. Yes, you're right. Yes. Um, so, you know, you kind of mentioned it there that you, it was really no sweat. I mean, some people would probably sweat pretty hard in that uh, scenario. I guess, where does that come from for you? Why, how are you able to sort of roll things off your back? <clears throat> I think
3: earlier, Uh, I've been doing this, this is the ninth season for me. And I think earlier it would have been more of a firestorm for sure. Uh, I used to get pretty worked up the first couple of years, uh, when things would go wrong. Um, and I think after a while, you just realize that most of the time things go right. So there's not a lot of point in worrying about what can go wrong. And then when things do go wrong, you you just handle it. Like I, I think, I think the the main, the toughest one for me would have been like, we've had a lot of mechanical issues, um, getting out of Winnipeg with the cold weather things going wrong with the planes. So we've had that happen a lot in my first few years, not so much uh, recently, to be honest, but through no doing of my own, just, just by the right. luck of the draw. But I think the worst one would have been that that Duluth were you with the
1: team? Right. The I that was it? with, I wasn't with, with the team, but I was yeah. working for the team when that all went down. Yeah. I,
3: to me, I think it, it doesn't get worse than that. Cause you're, we're up, this is 2018 and we're up to nothing in the series. And we're flying to Minnesota for game three and I heard about a heavy storm warning in the Minnesota area. I forget where in Minneapolis, I guess. And so the the wild got out from Winnipeg the night right. before and I talked to my, my weather people, the aircraft uh, mechanic and people like that. And, and, and they thought, no, we're still good for two o'clock departure. So we went with it, let the guys sleep in their own bed. And then we ended up having to stop in Duluth for three hours, sat on the tarmac, uh, before eventually just decided to go home because we were i remember just sitting on the plane and dealing with paul maurice and, and kevin shovel and often the three of us trying to figure out what are we going to do are we going to piece together like eight rooms at literally like the super eight and then we're going to have like maybe 16 rooms at a different hotel like there were three different hotels that we could have fit everyone in in duluth yeah. and then just continued on later or the next day and then we just thought let's go back home and, and sleep in our own beds and then we flew in day of game three and got shelled six two. Yeah, And so I saw my career flash before my eyes there um, (laughs) because I thought if that was the TSN turning point in the series somehow, um, that's pretty bad. So that was, and we hadn't been in the playoffs very much at that point. So that was pretty new for us. So that was high stakes. And it was a a difficult time. We lost that next game six, two, but then we, but then we uh, obviously won the series and won a run after that. So it was forgotten about, but I think that's where the, the calmness comes from is I think that's kind of as bad as it gets. Right. I'm not too worried about anything else. Um, is,
1: is, does it play into it too, that like a lot of the things that you're dealing with essentially are out of your control, like you, you can react accordingly, but until you know what you're reacting to, it's kind of like, well, I can sort of prepare for these things, but have mitigating processes. But yeah, really a lot of things, if somebody says, no, we can't do that. That's sort of out of your control.
3: Totally. Um, I spent a lot of the first few years really worrying about the fact that I don't control a lot of what goes on. It's really just... I can maybe delegate and I can, I can try to source help wherever we need it. But really it comes down to people knowing how to do their job. I could, we could show up at a hotel one night and nothing's ready for it. There's no room keys. There's no rooms. They just, somebody spaced out, had a bad day and forgot about us. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'll take right. the flack for that. Uh, rightly so. Cause then I'm the person that's got to pass that on. But you, I spent the first few seasons probably just sitting there like white knuckling it everywhere we went thinking what's going to happen. What's going to happen. And after eight or nine years of things not going wrong, everyone knows how to do their job. And if something goes wrong, like, I don't know, I'll just, I'll worry about it at the, at the time, when the time comes, like it just comes from the, getting through some adversity a few times along the way and realizing things always seem to work out. I don't know. There's no point in worrying. Cause I, I probably worried every single, every single trip, every single flight, every single bus ride for the first two or three seasons and uh Probably wasn't fun to be around no. <laughs> because of that. <laughs> you weren't around, so you, no. can't, you can't comment on that. No, I can't,
1: but I would have heard from other people, though.
3: Yeah, he was an ass to be around, but <laughs> yeah. I was just because I was stressed. I was stressed, man. See, and that's hilarious because <laughs> I've
1: known you for what five years yeah. now, and that's not you at all. So, congratulations on your yes. journey of personal yeah. growth. Yeah,
3: yeah, I have a lot of gray hair. My hair, uh, my hair. Oh, well, you gray said gray it. Gray.
1: I was gonna, I was thinking it. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, Krebi is. A man so, with yeah. a lot of grays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he looks great. So that's where,
3: that's probably where most of it came from.
1: Yes. Um, it been much worse than the last couple of years. So, <laughs> no, it's sort of stayed the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, all Plateau. right. A couple more questions for you. This podcast, we've plateaued. Yes. A <laughs> couple <laughs> more questions. Let's hope we can build it back up again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, relationship building obviously that's that's a huge one for your for your job how do you go about approaching those relationships with different people and not just within the team obviously you're like you mentioned earlier you work closely with Kevin Sheveldayoff Paul Maurice Dave Lowry all the coaches but then you're also building relationships with hotel managers and people Mm -hmm. at rinks when you're trying to book practice ice and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. how do you forge those relationships in order to just have a a casual uh, friendly banter with people and then also be serious at times too.
3: Yeah, uh, again, that's something that I would have been bad at the first couple of years. I was more of like a taskmaster, worried that things would go wrong. So I, I used to have this is embarrassing, but I used to. So the, the first couple road trips I was ever on, one was a Banff team building trip. We stayed at the Banff Fairmont Springs, I think, and then and then we. Um, I remember our room keys weren't working when we checked in and they're not, they weren't like a uh, an NHL hotel. They're, they're not used to this. So yeah. none of our keys were working. So I just saw all the guys come piling back off the elevator in the lobby, you know, with their suitcases. My, my heart sank. And so <laughs> for about a year after that, I made every hotel test 10 <laughs>
1: <just> put, arbitrarily.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know it was brutal. I would be bussing over I'd be like, test 10 room keys, <laughs> uh, you know, and they're like, uh, what uh, okay <laughs> okay so they would or they would just not do it and like probably lie to me because they're like this guy's nuts yeah and because i'm like i had this happen before it happened in banff and it's not going to happen here so test in yeah. room keys and they're probably just like this guy's an idiot
1: that's hilarious so
3: i was definitely i would say i was probably difficult to deal with the first little while yeah and then after a while i realized you can't do that because people aren't going to like you very much people aren't going to like the team very much so yeah i think just having a laid-back much more laid back attitude, be friendly, obviously be a nice, be a good person, Yeah. Uh, but also be hardworking. Right. And, um, show that if you show that you care and they show that they care, that's a great working relationship. I see some of the hotel people, for example, at the draft during the summer. So that's a great time to kind of kick back and you yep. have a beer with them and you learn a little bit more about their, their life. Cause so quickly, we're, we're often very quickly in and out of these hotels. So there's not a lot of time. It's just, it's just work, work, work. So to delve into the personal side a little bit is is nice as well because then you have a little bit of a rapport other than just are the rooms ready or are our buses here on time and that kind of stuff. So I think that's sort of the way you build relationships, really. Just show that you care, show that you work hard. Don't be as much of a taskmaster
1: as I was early on in my career. That's great uh, great advice, I think, in, in many facets of life. My last question for you, and this is a question I get a lot too. What do you do in the off-season? playoffs aren't looking like a thing for this group this year unfortunately okay, you so, said it you said it not me okay well i mean i'm just <laughs> i'm just i'm not great at math but i'm decent at it right now um <laughs> uh Here, yes. carry the carry the one and yeah, can, uh we're screwed yeah carry the one shuffle a decimal point uh Got it. So yeah, off season, what, what types of things keep you busy in the off season? I hope you get some, some rest and some time to yourself, but just uh, what types of things do you use to prepare for what's coming next?
3: Man, I get too much off time. Like, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I, oh, I don't, well, I hope
1: your boss isn't listening when you just
3: I, No, but I mean, like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind if the season, I, I would obviously love it if the season kept on going for two right. More months right now. Of I wouldn't mind it if it started in August instead of, instead of September, I get, family time in family and friends, people that I am forced to kind of neglect during the season, you know, they'll yeah. say like, you know, yeah. like, Hey, going for, going for a beer tonight with the boys, you're going to come out. i be like, uh, check the schedule, bro. I'm in Buffalo. You know, like, yeah. Um, so that happens a lot. So when I am back home during the summer, I see family and friends, you know, my I've got three nephews and a niece right now. And so they don't, they don't really understand why they can't wrap their head around why I'm gone so much yeah so it's nice to kind of reconnect with them they forget pretty quickly you know yes so um that kind of stuff I'm I'm gonna try to get over to Europe this this year as well I've been putting off travel for a while I had something planned for 2020 and then and then it got shut down for uh, certain reasons so uh, I'm gonna try to get down there uh, and do some traveling but yeah really just reconnect I guess it's kind of like relationship building again. Yeah. Rebuild those relationships that I sort of lose throughout the season because people they do, they start to give up on you a little bit after. A while. they call you a few times and then you're always on, always away, or you're always at a at a game, and so yep. like, I'll I'll let you call me. So yeah. I'm the one who starts making those calls now. Um, when when the season ends, I got to start reaching out. I got to do the do the grunt work on that and build those relationships back up.
1: A good friend and a good man, Chris Keviazik mm. on ground control. Thanks so much for joining us, Krev.
3: Way better than Paul Busnet, right? I didn't way it, better. But- Way better. All right. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, Take care.
0: Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right. Whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at winnipegjets.com. Slash fifty
1: fifty. Thanks so much to Kreb for providing that fantastic insight into his uh, his world. And man, it, it's it's awesome to watch that guy work sometimes. And he talked about it a little bit, but just everything kind of just rolls off his back, and he just kind of goes with the flow. So, uh, continuing with the flow of the podcast, Mitchell Clinton, open your eyes. It's time for you to speak. Uh, <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets have five games remaining on the schedule. Uh, One game on the road against the Carolina Hurricanes uh, on Thursday, and then uh, four home games to close things out for the regular season. Uh, Games against Colorado, Philadelphia, Calgary, and then uh, Seattle, as Paul mentioned on May 1st. Uh, Just your thoughts on what to expect from those matchups.
2: Yeah, I mean, Carolina, I mean, you're seeing the other part of that uh, Metropolitan Division uh, battle, uh, just kind of echoing back to what, paul Edmonds was talking about just before the the interview there just the fact that you can have some say and how that division is going to shake down because that one's been tightly contested a lot of the divisions really have been uh throughout um most of the season and, and it's all about seeding for those teams um the colorado avalanche have been a team that uh you know give the jets some some problems seemingly in denver but when they come to winnipeg it's i don't know it just i don't know if it's this the jets get up for it or if it's maybe it's the lack of altitude i don't know what it is but uh those games are always so so good the last time that colorado was in uh winnipeg earlier this month was a 5-4 overtime game and it was a nice little comeback by the winnipeg jets late in that one to to send it to overtime so um i mean you got there's so much skill on the ice when those two teams play that uh i'm i'm I always look forward to every game against Colorado just because of the fact that it's, you know, you just know it's going to be fast. Um, there's going to be some great plays, some, some great goaltending. It's just, it's going to be a sensational hockey game. So I always look forward to those ones. Philadelphia has obviously had a really tough season, not the one that they were looking for. Um, so that's going to be another one where you got, you got two teams with a lot to play for along the lines of what, uh, what Paul Edmonds mentioned, you know, they're, they're battling for, for jobs, for roles, for contracts, all that kind of stuff. Um, going into uh, to next season. And then the Calgary Flames have just been a team that, you know, last year I think was really, really frustrating for them. And then this year, you know, a couple of little minor additions, and then all of a sudden it just kind of exploded for them. Um, and now they find themselves, you know, in a, in a really, really good spot heading into uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And um, that's going to be a game that – the game's between – Calgary and Winnipeg always seem to have a little bit more grind to them. There's still a lot of skill, but like I think back to a couple of the games at, uh, at the saddle dome and you know, neither of those games really broke open. I mean, the last time they played against each other, it was a goal in the final minute, really that kind of separated the two clubs. So there's a lot, uh, a lot there against the, the Calgary flames. And also anytime it's, it's two Canadian teams going at it, it's going to be a fun tilt. And then, you get one last look at the Seattle crack and a team that's not uh, going to the Stanley cup playoffs this season uh, to wrap up their first year in the, in the national hockey league. And, you know, Mason Appleton, I'm sure will want to pick up a win against his former club in that one. So, and that'll be the last one. And then the other thing to keep in mind, I believe it's the 29th is the fan appreciation game. So make sure you get uh, your tickets for that one at winnipeg jets.com slash tickets.
1: Kyle Connor, mini jerseys yes. up for grabs that day. I've seen them they're neat. They would go nice on a mantle,
2: a mantle. Yes. You a know, nice and then when he starter. wins the
1: lady Bing trophy, then like, goodness gracious, like get on your knees and pray to that thing every morning. <laughs> <laughs> please. I wish
2: you were as good at hockey. <laughs> oh, yes,
1: please. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Uh, all right. Uh, Paul, we'll let things, uh, close out with you here. Um, unsung heroes mm-hmm. i think now's a great hero time. or heroes well i mean if you have more than one but you can pick one i you, have one you have one okay yeah. unsung hero who for you has been the unsung hero of the winnipeg jets team in terms of just their play uh and perhaps not being noticed and talked about as much as you would find just but just who is this player for you on this jets team
0: Well, I think any time that you isolate one player off a team or make an all-star selection or whatever it is, you're going to have the subjective nature of people arguing with you, right? But in this case, I welcome it because I think that you could probably make a claim for maybe a couple of guys. My guy, I don't know if it's going to be out of left field or not, but I'm going to make you think it will be Eric Comrie. And my unsung hero is Eric Comrie for a number of reasons. So this is a guy that came up through the Winnipeg Jets organization, but particularly with the Manitoba Moose, he is the all times win or the all time wins leader in Manitoba Moose history, far and beyond Alex all. I mean, he's got, 84 wins i mean alex ald was into the 60s so this is how much he played with the manitoba moose and was ready to to kind of pay, kind of take the next step uh for the winnipeg jets at, at points and and he did and so he gets into the lineup and things don't go very well for him over the last couple of years And then he's anointed this year when Lauren Brossois, who, by the way, based on the play that we've seen from Eric Comrie, we haven't mentioned Lauren Brossois' name a whole lot ever since the start of the season, right? Like nobody was pining to have Lauren Brossois back, with all due respect to Lauren Brossois. This is how well I think that Eric Comrie has assumed this position. And so he gets in, and people are a little skeptical as to how he can deliver this backup role. Well, he's been more than adequate for the Winnipeg Jets. He's been very, very good. Not to mention the fact, I don't know that there's a player in the history of the National Hockey League that has been waived and claimed by the same organization as many times as Eric Comrie has by the Winnipeg Jets so this is a guy that's taken all of that in stride he's one of the best personalities that you'll ever meet he's a positive individual he's been through a lot in his career and finally is getting something that's rewarding for him as an individual as a professional hockey player and now as a National Hockey League goaltender and through all of that his play has been exceptional you look at the numbers at one point He put together five straight wins and starts for the Winnipeg Jets as the backup goaltender. This is a guy that has come in and, and serviced when Connor Hellebach has needed to have some days off. And the numbers really don't lie when it comes to Eric Comrie. He hasn't played a lot, only 16 games, I understand. Three of those have been in relief. But overall, 8-4-1 this year, I mean, that's four games above NHL 500 for a goaltender as your backup. A 269 goals against average, and it probably was a little bit better. But of course, like everybody, he was blitzkrieged when he came in and was in relief in that Florida game earlier on this trip. A nine fourteen save percentage. I mean, this guy has done everything that the Winnipeg Jets have asked and more in this situation. Not only that, but he hasn't made a lot of money. He's only at $700,000. So that's helped with the Winnipeg Jets cap situation as well. So there's been many areas that Eric Comrie has helped the organization and the team. And I look for him to go into being an RFA with arbitration rights this off season. And he's probably going to get a nice little raise as well. He should, he's deserving of that. He's been a loyal soldier to this organization. And not only that, it goes beyond just taking all of those niceties that he has as a personality and making them applicable onto the ice and being a guy that you can rely on. He has more than done that for the Winnipeg jets. So for me, Eric Comrie is the unsung hero for the Winnipeg Jets in 2021-2022.
1: Fantastic analysis from Paul and a quick Eric Comrie story that I I think is just hilarious this trip. So game one of the trip, uh, as Krev noted in his interview, uh, the team stayed at a day hotel after the morning skate because the arena is far away from where we were actually staying in our Florida trip. So we go down for lunch and there's this big like kind of easel with a list of names and the hotel puts on this quiz like a NHL quiz and the prize is a putter. And so everybody who went down for lunch, you got a little sheet and the, the lady who kind of runs the, the things at the hotel hands out the papers and you fill out the quiz and it's got a list of all who's won the, the putters over, over the course of the season. And Lo and behold, Eric Comrie wins the putter. But the best part about this is this is game one of like a, what is this a 12 or a 13 day road trip. So every time I see Eric, he's carrying this putter off the plane. <laughs> he's got the putter onto the bus. He's got the putter. And like, well, yes, it's nice to have won a putter, but man, toting that thing around is so <laughs> awkward and hilarious. It's great. And I'm glad it's happened to Eric because he's the only person who would probably take that in stride. So uh, I hope he bangs in a few more putts with that thing. Anyway, this has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. I've enjoyed this episode. I hope you have too. Thanks so much for listening. On behalf of myself, Mitchell Clinton, and Paul Edmonds, have yourself a great week and go
0: Jets! This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV for Jets news, videos, and more. Head to WinnipegJets.com.